Hey, everybody. How you doing? And welcome to episode number 120 of the John Riley Project. Today is Saturday, March 14th, 2020. Yeah. Happy Pi Day. It's 314. I remember back when I was a kid, it was 3.14159. I at least had six significant digits back in the day. Uh, but it's Pi Day. It's Saturday, m- March 14th. And um, thanks for joining us here. We're broadcasting, as we always do, from the city and the country, Poway, California. Thanks for joining us. If you're following us on YouTube, you know, click on that subscribe button down below and join the join the squad here. Uh, click on that little bell and you get updates on when we release new videos. And if you're following us and um, listening on, you know, Apple Podcasts, which used to be called iTunes, at least for the podcast portion of it, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, hey, thanks for listening there. But, uh, you know, subscribe, follow us and uh, and join the party, man. Thanks for joining us. We really enjoy having you here. Um, we're uh, going to talk about a number of things. But, you know, this podcast is I always say it's about life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And we're going to kind of get into a lot of that as we go through the, these crazy days with the coronavirus and everything that's going on around us. Um, but, you know, before we really dig in, just just a quick shout out to our friends at PowayStore.com. They're our sponsor. They're bra- they're, this episode, I could say, is brought to you by our friends at PowayStore.com. You get all kinds of cool Poway swag, Poway gear, shirts, sweatshirts, um, stickers, all kinds of fun things. They're all celebrating the city and the country, Poway, California. Okay, so, man, it's just been a crazy few days Um, Mike Ryan was here on Wednesday, and that was when things were really cooking. Uh, Wednesday, things really seemed to accelerate with this coronavirus, and it continued into Thursday. And I think to a great degree, we're all kind of sort of catching our breath. Um, You know, this weekend, I'm sort of self-quarantining myself. I'm kind of staying home and, hey, I get to do a podcast with you, which is always a lot of fun, uh, but just been working on my projects and and really trying to be as productive as I can. But, man, there's just so much crazy stuff going on out there. I mean, there are lockdowns in um, Spain. There are locked, lockdowns. You know, we're hearing about this in some of our healthcare facilities here locally in San Diego County. Um, you know, obviously lots of reports of people going to Costco or Trader Joe's and other grocery stores, and it's just a zoo and people are battling. Um, but it seemed like the the craziness um, you know, of uh, dog eat dog was mostly on Wednesday. I think people, what I've been at least been watching in social media, people are a little bit more friendly, a little more courteous, having a little bit of patience because they all know they're kind of going through it. But um, I remember seeing a video online of, of Costco, like right when they opened, it was like the start of a NASCAR race with people in their carts. I mean, it takes me back to the days back when I was a student at UCSD and we would go down to the price club. This is you know, before Costco really got going, you know, sole price here in San Diego started the price club and it was a huge success. And I remember being there in the 1980s and we would go there and we would buy stuff for our, you know, some of the fraternity parties that we had back in the day. And, um, 
And even then, I remember in Price Club, you know, it, it was such a new phenomenon that shoppers would sort of lose their minds to a degree. And they, be, I mean, you'd have to shop defensively with these carts. And, and so it seems like some of that hysteria has come back. But thankfully, things are calming down. But I mean, how about this craze on toilet paper? And, you know, it just reminded me of that Seinfeld um, episode when Elaine was in the bathroom stall and, hey, can you spare a square? You know, and I'm sorry, I can't spare a square. You know, it, it's amazing what's happening. And for the longest time, I, I remember thinking, why toilet paper? Like, I understood water, but why the craze on toilet paper? And I remember when Mike Ryan it was here on Wednesday, he brought it up. He says that there's this fear you know, by some people that there could be like a a mandated quarantine. I mean, this is kind of more extreme, but people want to make sure that they've got plenty of stuff available to them. Um, and then, you know, of course, when a little bit of a run starts happening on toilet paper and then that kind of gets into the into the media, into social media, then suddenly it just creates, a, um, how should I say, a. Um, self-fulfilling loop, right? Where there's hysteria for toilet paper. People then rush for more toilet paper, which creates more hysteria and it's self-feeding kind of a loop. Um, And I think that's what we're seeing. And I mean, other crazy things. I mean, there's a big thing that came out in the news today that some guy um, went and bought like 17,000 uh, bottles of hand sanitizer and stocked it up in his garage and was going to sell it, um, you know, at a high price on Amazon. And Amazon eventually shut him down. Um, but I, I just thought that was remarkable. Um, I mean, it's one thing to be a savvy entrepreneur, but, you know, you got to use the right kind of taste as it, as it applies in these sorts of emergencies. You know, and I, and I just as a bit of a tangent, I, I think in the world of these emergencies, there's there's evil price gouging, but there's also virtuous price gouging. And I know that might sound crazy to some people. I mean, obviously, a guy buying 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer and trying to sell it at an outrageous markup, um, that's a guy that's really – yeah, I would say more on the evil side of it. But I remember back in the Katrina days and, you know, there were, you know, obviously there were floods that was ravaging the Gulf Coast. And I remember reading a story in the in Mississippi and along the Gulf Coast. And, you know, those communities were just completely wiped out from the hurricane and from the flooding. And people were desperate. People were hungry um, for, you know, power generators and and some basic things just so they could sustain life. And there was a guy that, um, you know, was up in Kentucky and he recognized that these were people that were legitimately in need. He wanted to help. He wanted to make a little bit of money in doing so at the same time. And what he did is he went to the Home Depot up in Kentucky and bought, I don't know, 20, 30 generators and then rented a truck and then drove that truck south all the way down to Mississippi, not only incurring the expense and time of making the drive, the upfront investment for the generators, but also going into like like a kind of a miniature Armageddon, you know, with the whole flood and floods and, you know, enduring you know, a certain degree of danger as well, providing those kinds of generators to people that were legitimately in need. At a price definitely higher than retail. I mean, he bought it at the retail price at Home Depot. Um, And in my opinion, that's sort of virtuous price gouging. I I mean, I think 
that's a case where people are legitimately trying to help people. Um, but unfortunately, this guy, you know, because there's such there's such an amplified, heightened state of a, of awareness or or anger when people do this sort of thing. Um, there, there's laws that have been created, and this guy ended up getting in trouble with the law. I don't know if he got fined or thrown in jail. I thought in that case it was wrong, but in this case of this guy buying seventeen thousand bottles of hand sanitizer, to me that's crossing the line. Um, but you know these stores, they're, I mean, they're changing their hours. I, we've been seeing posts about this, um, largely I think to handle the restocking of the shelves. I, I heard a story where people decided to show up, you know, at eleven thirty midnight, you know, thinking they could avoid the crowds maybe get there when they were restocking the shelves. But even then it was a zoo. Um, even then, you know, if they had a pallet in the middle of the aisle, like at a Walmart, people were still plucking goods out of the box on the pallet. So it, it's just, it's amazing what's happening in the this week. And it really began, it started to accelerate in the early part of the week. And come Wednesday, it just, everything went sideways. Um, you know, the stock market volatility has been insane. I mean, I, I know the stock market has lost, gosh, probably about 20%. Um, and uh, they lost 10% in one day this past week. And now the Fed is is pumping money into the system. They're pumping $1.5 trillion of money. So this is more of that quantitative easing, um, more of this really kind of a desperate move here by the Fed just to kind of keep everything propped up. And and then this incites all sorts of anger from our progressive friends because they're saying, well, hey, you know, Wall Street's getting bailed out, 1.5 million being pumped in to the marketplace. But, you know, they could spend that 1.5 million and they could give out universal basic income to everybody for six months. And, you know, people are thinking, well, we could use that money for all these other purposes. And that's creating a little bit of a political uh, turmoil as well. Um, no one, by the way, making any mention of how are we going to pay back this one and a half trillion? Does anyone care? Does this continuous pumping of money into the system cause uh, inflation? Does it create more debt? Does it create potential bigger problems down the road? Um, and no one seems to really care about that right now. It's all about, you know, not only what can the system give me, but also who's getting what and are you um, – you know, who who should get it before other people? So it, it's just so much happening right now. It's amazing. Then the whole sports world shut down. Oh, my God. Um, so we saw this one after another. First, the NCAA was just going to have the big basketball tournament without fans in the stands. But then the NBA shut down um, largely because of Rudy Gobert, one of the players in the Utah Jazz. And then he got another player um, infected. And was it? Or I don't know who infected who, but who was the player's name? His last name's Mitchell. Um, I think he's one of the guards for the Utah Jazz. He was infected. And then the NBA just said, we need to shut it down, which I think is the responsible thing to do. Because not only do they not want to put all these fans at risk that are in these huge arenas, but they also don't want to put their players at risk either. So um, I know that that's a financially difficult move for them to do, but I think it was definitely the right thing. And then from that, we saw... Um, you know, a avalanche or a set of dominoes that occurred from that where there was um, the the um, NHL decided to shut down. Um, the NCAA finally just said we're canceling the whole tournament. And oh, my God, what a just a terrible blow for uh, the San Diego State Aztecs. You know, they've got a great team. They they legitimately have a chance to win the national 
championship, and then the rug is pulled out from under them and the tournament is canceled. And now it makes sense. I understand why the tournament is canceled, but what? It's just a tough break. I mean, I, I go back to this whole San Diego sports curse where it seems that no team, or at least no major sport like baseball, football, basketball, none of those sports at the professional or collegiate level ever seem to have a chance to win a national championship. And, you know, a big shout out to our friends with the San Diego Sockers. I know they've had great success, um, but really amongst the major sports, um, other than indoor soccer, it's been, you know, just a real, a long, dry summer, a long, dry, you know, three, four, five, six decades of no championships in San Diego. I think you'd have to go back to Um, the 1963 AFL football championship. Um, And even then, I think some would argue that's sort of a a minor league uh, championship in and of itself. So so I just feel so badly for the Aztec basketball players and the fans. I mean, the fans were just so hyped up and, and now all of a sudden nothing. And then you look at, you know, the players that came to the team like um, Yanni Wetzel and KJ Fagan and Malachi Flynn all wanting to come to play for the Aztecs because they never felt they ever had a chance to win with their previous teams. I mean, Yanni Wetzel was on Vanderbilt. They lost every game in the SEC conference last year. KJ Fagan played for the University of Santa Clara, which is in the West Coast Conference that plays, you know, in the same conference with University of San Diego and Loyola Marymount and else is in that conference? Um, Santa Clara, um, St. Mary's, Gonzaga. um, I think Portland is in that. Um, Did I say Loyola Marymount? Yeah, they're in there. USF, University of San Francisco is in that conference as well. Um, So he he was he had set all kinds of scoring records. A very accomplished player, KJ Fagan, once comes to San Diego State to win a championship plays a role on the team as a senior leader, as a point guard, as a distributor, as a playmaker rather than as a scorer. And then his dream is dashed. And even Malachi Flynn, you know, came over from Washington State Cougars. They um, in basketball, they have have struggled for a very long time, Uh, came here for a chance to win. And they were winning 30 and two. I mean, Obviously disappointing to win, lose those two games so close, but 30 and two. Uh, what a season. And now there's a chance Malachi Flynn may go on to the NBA. That's a possibility. Many say he could be a first round draft pick whenever the NBA season resumes and who knows when the draft is going to be. Um, KJ Fagan, Yanni Wetzel are seniors. They're graduating. So they just had their dreams crushed. And I just feel so badly for them. But as Aztec fans, feel badly for all of us because we thought we were going to make a great run. I say we, you know, I'm not even an Aztec alumni. I'm a UC San Diego Triton alumni. And hey, we're going D1, man, later this year. I'm very excited about that. But the Aztecs have always been my adopted sports program here locally. And I've been following the team ever since 1999 when when they got Fisher. I remember going to games at Viejas Arena in 1999 and in 2000. Heck, I remember bringing my son to some of those games when he was like three years old and we were sitting up in the, I guess you could call them bleacher seats. There are those concrete benches at the very top and uh, they're not the regular seats, they're bench seats. I remember going to one of those games there probably like in 2002, 2003 and I brought him and he, I brought like little, you know, Hot Wheels cars and things for him to play with on that concrete platform where we sat 
And, um, and heck, now he's 20 years old, man. Time flies. So uh, just I've been such a big fan of the Aztecs. So just feeling bummed about it. And then, you know, Major League Baseball has now hit the pause button and they're going to hopefully resume in late April. But many people think they're not going to resume until May, maybe as late as Memorial Day, maybe not even until June. So you were looking at a shortened season. Um, hopefully they'll still be able to do the playoffs in World Series. Um, then my son, you know, playing college baseball and his season was cut short and it's over. Um, and now there's a lot of talk about maybe the NCAA might be giving an extra year of eligibility um, to college uh, you know, players that were playing in spring sports uh, because, they, you know, my son's college baseball team, they haven't even gotten through half of the season. So um, hopefully they're going to reinstate eligibility for them. But what a crazy thing going on in the world of sports. And now it's a weekend and usually you got lots of sports games to watch. Nothing. Can't even watch the XFL. (laughs) And the XFL shut down as well, man. So unbelievable. Then all the stuff with medical tests and, you know, they're struggling to get those tests out. But, you know, we have our, our you know, government leaders are up there and have, it seems like there's press conferences multiple times a day. And a lot of people are talking about teaching best practices like washing your hands and trying not to touch your face. And those are all really good rules. Um, so just so much volatility in the world. And then the schools closed. You know, they, they just announced that yesterday. Poway Unified is shutting down, I think, for um, until maybe, is it early April? I think they're shutting down for at least three weeks. And then um, San Diego Unified shut down. And I think San Diego Unified was the first one to shut down in the county. And then all the other districts started following suit, including Poway. That makes sense. But think about what kind of disruption that's going to create for single parents or parents with two, you know, working spouses. Now the child doesn't go to school. You know, they may not be going, they're not going to ESS as well. Now who's going to take care of the child? So now families are scrambling to figure that out. And then meanwhile, you know, healthcare workers are scrambling. And and those are the ones that we want to have fully staffed at our hospitals and medical clinics. Now, suddenly they're going to have to work half day, work part time, take time off to handle their children, which makes sense. But now they're going to be understaffed to, to potentially not be available to help possibly a surge of people that are going to be coming forward as this crisis with the coronavirus keeps escalating. So it's something. And then. College students now, you know, we said the K through 12 has been shut down. Well, all these colleges are shutting down and now students are um, being kicked out of the dorms. Students are being told they are going to be doing classes online. And so now a lot of students are coming home and it's creating kind of an interesting social dynamic. we got a lot of these kids coming back to Poway and some of them are going to have some time on their hands. And it's just sort of this unusual time. I remember um, – my friend Jack, who is up in San Francisco, and he told me in 1989, you know, right after the the, the big you know, Loma Prieta earthquake in San Francisco, the, the earthquake that impacted the World Series that year, um, he was telling me how, you know, you'd walk the streets of San Francisco and it was almost like a like a. Yeah, how should I say? Sort of like a friendly version of Blade Runner, you know? So it was this semi dystopian people on the streets, uh, people, you know, huddling around, um, uh, you know, fires that were created safely on the streets and sidewalks. Um, But definitely a case of people being very disruptive, the rest of the world sort of shutting down, Um, you know, so unbelievable. And then, 
And then businesses, we're seeing businesses going through a cases of, of sending their workers home. And my daughter is, is, you know, lives up in San Francisco now, and she has friends that work for Apple and work for Salesforce and LinkedIn. And all of those companies are sending their employees home. They say, you just work from home. And the good news is for a lot of those companies, those kinds of workers can work from home. And we talked about that when Mike Ryan was here. Mike works in the grocery industry. He can't work from home. He has to work at his place of business. But for a lot of these technology companies, they're sending their workers home, which is interesting. Um, you know, my daughter, you know, she works for one of the big four accounting firms. They're in the thick of, you know, tax season and everything else. They haven't yet told them to go home to work. But I would imagine that's going to be coming soon especially if the federal government decides to delay the April 15th tax filing deadline, which I've heard rumors that's going to be the case. Um, but, you know, I, I, I really want to emphasize this point. And I often thought I – often, I often think that there's, there's a number of different silver linings that I think are going to come from this coronavirus outbreak. And I, maybe it's premature for me to bring it up because we're dealing with a lot of the crisis and the turmoil and there's a lot of emotions and and i know some people are you know there you know people are being challenged right now i hear you but i think when you have students that are being sent home um or really more more clearly that are being told to study online I think what you're going to find out is students are going to be studying online and they're going to say, hey, this isn't so bad. You know, I I don't have to waste a lot of time and energy driving to campus, spending money on a parking permit, dealing with the crowds and the hassle, getting into these giant lecture halls and dealing with it when I could just click on a computer and see a streaming lecture where I can get notes online, where I can take quizzes and tests potentially online, where I can work in um, online uh, groups, conferences, audiovisual conferences to collaborate with other students and groups. There's a lot that can be done with technology now. I think students are going to realize, hey, this isn't so bad. And I think once we start to break that down, I think this is going to set the stage to not only make um, college uh, more accessible for more people because of online studying, but to make it a lot more affordable. Because if you you can imagine the infrastructure and administration and all the financial costs it takes to run a college campus, um, you know, not just for student life, but for, you know, the academics and the athletics and so much goes into that. Um, there's a way to make it a lot more efficient um, to by having online classes. So imagine a lecture hall with 100 students. If you're doing it online, you can have 500, 600, 700 students viewing that lecture. Um, you would need less buildings, less infrastructure, potentially less professors. I mean, we've talked about this here even with our local school district. You could have the best economics professor in that university teaching to everyone um, rather than having multiple economics professors and multiple classes. This could be a great silver lining. And then Think about it from the people that are working from home. Um, if you're able to be productive and be able to get much of your job done at home, and I realize this only applies to certain careers in, in certain industries, there's opportunity to work from home, and some people don't have that opportunity. But for those that do, 
wow, imagine you don't have to commute. You're not dealing with the traffic on the freeways. You're not scrambling in the rat race. Um, Less cars on the road means lower carbon emissions, which is good for the environment. Less cars on the road means for those that have to commute, those that have to work on site, there's less traffic, less stress, easier to move around. That's a big win, too. If there are less people on the road, then there's less demand for public transportation, especially the very expensive light rail, which, you know, they're putting in here in San Diego, which I've talked about that before. Light rail sounds wonderful, sounds beautiful, sounds utopian, but there's a lot there's there's not very, very many people that use it today. Um, And it costs so much to put it in. Um, I've often thought that, you know, light rail is almost a 19th or 20th century solution um, to moving people around. The 21st century, I think people need to move around less because of technology, because of online streaming and video conferencing and working from home. I think people can get huge volumes of work done right by you know a commute only 20 steps from their bedroom and at the same time i think as um as technology grows especially with driverless cars driverless electric vehicles i think we're going to see more efficient movement of cars on the road which are going to have less stress on the environment and far more efficient um, automated um, uh, travel in some of these kinds of uh, cars. That's the future. Um, Andrew Yang is right when he talks about the fourth industrial revolution. So again, I think we're going to come out of this coronavirus and we will eventually come out of this. Who knows how long this is going to last, but hopefully this will be one of the wins that we'll experience a silver lining where people, this sort of work from home or even work from anywhere, uh, productivity on the road, productivity from your home office, student productivity from home. uh, This could be huge. Um, I think that's a potential big win. Um, But anyways, more just crazy disruption. Businesses are downsizing. This is scary. Um, We're seeing Delta Airlines has dramatically uh, cut back on the number of flights that they're doing. And that makes sense because a lot of businesses have basically shut down corporate travel. Um, One of my clients that I work with, they've said no corporate travel by airplane unless you get approval like from – you know, the the C-level executives, um, you know, CEOs and CFOs, um, if people need to travel for business, it's get in a car and drive. That's the edict from my clients' corporate management. Amazing. So um, and then even Apple stores, I mean, they're temporarily closing. That's probably to avoid crowds. If you've ever been in an Apple store, that's not a six foot uh, (laughs) um, radius situation. Those places are just always so crowded. And then um, MGM, I was reading about them, their resorts, they're having huge layoffs. Um, You know, the MGM resorts, not just in Vegas, but, you know, all around the United States and I'm potentially internationally. So this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think as this rolls out, we're seeing a decline in productivity overall because of the disruption related to this coronavirus. We saw disruption in Asia and supply chain, and that was affecting the economy. And when there's this much uncertainty, 
businesses, what they usually do is they batten down the hatches and and they become very conservative and careful. And that becomes cyclical and self-fulfilling, just like the run on toilet paper. And then that creates, you know, we may very well go into a recession from this because of this disruption. So this is a crazy time right now. And political leaders, you, you see, like I said, there's there seems to be a press conference, you know, multiple times a day at the White House. And it's either President Trump or it's Vice President Pence. And you see, you know, all the people in the background. It's like, you know, Secretary, you know, Ben Carson and Steve Mnuchin and then other, you know, the Surgeon General. And I mean, they're lining up there and you could tell they're struggling. And, um, you know, they, they've declared states of emergency. There's a national emergency um, there's states of emergencies at the state level too. And, you know, so leadership is struggling with this as well because it's so dynamic. Um, and we can, and we'll get into the politics of this as well, which I'll break down, but there's been a lot of mistakes that have been made too. So uh, that's nuts. And now um, I was just reading that the cruise ship industry, there's three major cruise lines that have just completely suspended operations. And it's um, Royal Caribbean, Norwegian cruises and Carnival princess cruises. And now that obviously makes sense because these cruise ships are like, you know, Petri dishes for these viruses to grow in. It makes sense for them to suspend operations, but it's, uh, um, it, it's, it's, this is a huge impact on the economy. This is going to put a lot of workers, you know, not just the work on the cruise lines, but people in the travel industry in general are going to be, you know, um, affected, displaced, laid off. And then think about all the companies that supply products and services for the airlines and for the cruise ships, you know, all the food and drink and and everything else, all the, you know, the essential supplies to run those operations. Those small businesses are going to be affected when these their big biggest clients suspend operations. So we're going to see this cascading effect throughout the economy. Um, you know, they're talking about, um, you know, bailouts. Uh, you know, President Trump hasn't exactly used the word bailout, but that's that's what's coming. You know, there's going to be cases of um, uh, offering subsidies or some kind of relief um, going to some of these corporate, you know, corporations in the in, in specific vertical markets and specific industries. Now, there's talk of tax cuts as well. Now, tax cuts aren't really a bailout because um, it's your own money, but they're even talking about a payroll tax cut and, you know, for workers, which is good if you're if you're working. But then a payroll tax cut means we're not funding Social Security and Medicare, which are already in, you know, on on fiscally unsustainable trajectories. And if you turn off the the valve of the inbound revenue to those programs, then their their model, their demographic and economic model gets even worse. So there's and then there's the, the travel ban. And so we saw that there was a limitation of travel initially for Americans to go abroad, specifically to Europe. Then Trump shuts down travel um, for what was weird was all of Europe except the UK and Ireland. And and then he's had to backtrack on that. He was saying, well, but not for cargo. And, and now they're saying, well, OK, now we're including the UK and Ireland. And you're wondering why were they excluded in the first place, um, which is weird. I mean, if you're going to have a travel ban, why are you excluding the U.K. and Ireland? Um, does, it just, it's just nuts. And so um, the information is coming out. It's fragmented. They're, on, they're working on the fly on this, but it's just – everything is very disrupted right now. Um, 
there are uncertain economic conditions. The, a recession is looming. It's very likely we're going to go into a recession. For many people, they've been predicting this because they thought that the stock market had been overly inflated, that at some point something was going to break. And all it took was for one specific incident. And sure enough, coronavirus seems to be it. Um, so I don't know. I, I think in many ways, at least at this very moment, the hysteria around coronavirus is far worse than the virus itself. Now, as more and more people become infected, as there's more and more deaths, I think that's going to shift. I think the health issue will become far worse uh, and a greater problem, the economic condition in, in and of itself. So right now, the, the, the hysteria is greater than the health condition. But over time, I think those are going to flip-flop and the health condition will be far greater than the hysteria, um, which is saying something. So, um, but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the political implications. I mean, Bernie Sanders, man, this is like falling into his lap. I mean, it gives him an opportunity to amplify his message to talk about single payer, single single payer health care and why we need it. Um, just as an aside, Italy has single payer health care, and they're going through all kinds of struggles, um, but. He, he also talks a lot about paid time off, especially for sick leave. Um, again, this is really it's it's playing into Bernie's hands pretty well. And if he's a savvy politician, he'll be able to take advantage of this without really overtly politicizing it. Um, but, you know, some are overtly politicizing it. Some are seeing this um, as an opportunity to take down President Trump and um, and it. <laughs> Everyone always said that what the one thing that could really undo Trump is if there was a major problem in the economy. And here we go. Um, so, uh, you know, fear, you know, whether rightfully or not, um, I think is a powerful emotion. And, and successful politicians know how to harness fear um, and use it to their advantage. And we're seeing that right now. Um, but, you know, if you look at President Trump, uh, I mean, it's. The the I just think he's demonstrating very poor leadership. He's been bumbling his way through this um, and sh showcasing a great deal of denial. I mean, he said that he's not responsible, which is unbelievable. Now, granted, he's not responsible, obviously, for the virus being started and then coming to America. But whatever happened to the buck stops here, even though you might not think you're responsible for this, you do have a responsibility as president of the United States to demonstrate leadership and to guide the American people through the crisis, to bring the resources together to combat it. But when he says he's not responsible, it's unbelievable. But the funny thing is with President Trump, he's often on the both sides of any given issue. And no matter what he does now, you can always pull up a tweet from what before he was president before he was a candidate for president that will directly contradict what he said. And he's, and from 2013, he had a tweet that said, leadership, whatever happens, you're responsible. If it doesn't happen, um, if it doesn't happen, you're responsible. So basically he was condemning president Trump, uh, Obama demanding that he take responsibility. Now when Trump is in the, in the uh, catbird seat, he's avoiding responsibility and deflecting, which I think is terrible leadership. Um, but, you know, the, if you look at the timeline of President Trump's comments from February 2nd to today, it's been this case of deniability and then some sort of acceptance and then, you know, 
you know, deflection and and like, you know, first he he said, you know, hey, we've already shut it down. You know, we've shut the virus down. Um, And then he said, oh, it's going to die. And when the weather gets hot and then he says, hey, we got everything under control in the United States. And he said, oh, this is just like the flu. It's not a big deal. And he says, whatever happens, we're totally prepared. Um, And the number of cases in the United States is close to zero. And then one day, like a miracle, it will disappear. And, you know. That's not effective leadership. You have to prepare for the worst um, and then expect the best. Uh, But it was denial, deflection, um, not wanting to take responsibility um, and really wanting to pin the problem on somebody else. That's why in his speech to the American people, he talked about it as a a virus from China, you know, essentially blaming China for this. the, the, the classic quote for me was, was on March 7th, and I'll read this to you. And, you know, Trump said that the doctors he's come across um, as his administration tries to get a handle on the outbreak have been surprised at how much President Trump knows about COVID-19. You know, that's the name of the coronavirus, COVID, you know, C-O, corona, V-I, um, virus, D, disease, and number 19. So COVID-19. And, yeah, he, he said, oh, the um, – the doctors have been so surprised about how much he knows about it. And then he said, quote, maybe I have a natural ability. He said, maybe I should have done that instead of running for president. Like, yeah. So President Trump now claiming to be an expert on the on viruses and, and human transmission. President Trump, a scientist. It's just funny. So. Um, so what are you doing? What are you doing about all this? Uh, what's your plan? Um, you know, I, I kind of feel I'm sort of torn on this. Um you know, we on one hand, we have this sort of self-quarantine. Um, that's what we're doing this weekend. But, you know, on the other hand, people say we should go about our business, go about our life, you know, but just be aware, be smart, make good choices. You know, I think in a lot of ways it, we have to kind of do both. We have to really, you know, be aware, be smart. Don't put ourselves into these large crowds or large situations. Um, You know, some are convinced this whole thing is way overblown. Um, Other people say that we could see a million people die in America. That's very possible. So I don't think we know enough. Um, But, uh, you know, projections on this say it's going to be a very serious matter. So, you know, this weekend we're self-quarantining. I know some people are going on hikes with family, which is great. And when you're on a hike, it's easy to maintain that six-foot radius. So that works great. And, you know, people going on hikes with family because a lot of the you know, youth sports are shut down because of um, everything that's been happening these last few weeks. Um, the reports of the shopping experiences, I'm seeing a lot of that on Facebook, and that's something. But I, I really want to emphasize this when I ask, what are you doing? Don't, this is my advice, don't wait on the government to solve your problem. Um, because if you wait on them, it's they'll take forever. I mean, they're already politicizing it. Tests are hard to come by. Um, there's economic uncertainty. We have to take action ourselves um, rather than – I mean, we'll pay attention to what government's doing. We'll hope that they come through, but we can't depend on them. We can only depend on ourselves. Um, so – what can you do? Let me, I'm going to share some ideas. But first, before I do, I just want to give another shout out to our sponsor, PowayStore.com. And this is a coffee mug I'm drinking from here. This Poway, the city in the country, got a little cowboy hat on there. So um, go to PowayStore.com. They got t-shirts, sweatshirts, um, stickers, um, all kinds of fun things there with Poway, the city in the country. Um, 
you know, the T-shirt, one of the T-shirts kind of neat. It, it celebrates, it has like a, um, it celebrates the Big Stone Lodge and it has a rendering of the Big Stone Lodge and the Poway Trails. And, and it's just a really nice shirt. Comes in women's sizes and men's sizes as well. Um, so check out our, our sponsor, PowayStore.com. Um, all right. So this is the big thing that I, I really want to emphasize. This is the time to invest in yourself. Um, this is what I think we should be doing on an individual level as the as this crisis unfolds. Um, you know, and, and especially, hey, if you're self quarantining, I know a lot of people are binge watching Netflix, and that's a good way to kind of check out and maybe um, avoid um, reality at least temporarily. But really, I think this is the time that we should be learning new skills um, and make yourself more marketable. You know, whether you're an employee, a business owner. This is the time where you can hunker down, go in the woodshed and learn new things. And it's amazing the amount of of opportunity to learn things that exists on the Internet. I mean, you just go on YouTube and there are countless how-to videos that are fantastic. There are all kinds of other people in the digital space that have classes, um, you know, that have these essentially these online universities where you can learn very unique skills like how to do coding, um, how to do, um, you know, photography, how to do uh, video editing, audio editing. I mean, a lot of this is how I started this podcast is I just went online and I didn't spend any money. Well, actually, I took one class about podcasting that cost me about 300 bucks. But but I got 80% of my knowledge base, I just got uh, from following other people um, and watching videos and listening to other people that did podcasts and how they got everything started and learning about the gear and equipment they bought and learning how to do audio editing and video editing. I learned all that on my own in building this podcast. So depending on whatever it is that you do for a living or if you're a student, I mean, this is a time if you're going to be home. And you're not going to be out and about because of the self-quarantine situation. This is when you could be investing in yourself. This is when you should be reading and expanding your knowledge base um, to make yourself a better person, someone that's more marketable, someone that can get a higher wage or a higher fee from their customers, clients, from their employers. Um, Building your skill set is something that can be very powerful. And this is a great time to do it. Um, then, um, you know, this is a great time also to start a side hustle, man. You know, start a small business. Um, and those are some of the things that I'm always cooking up and working on. And this is a time to, to be an entrepreneur. You know, maybe you've had that business idea that you've always wanted to do, uh, but never really got started. You didn't have the time or maybe it was just a dream. Now's the time to put it into action. Or maybe you have a unique skill set. Let's just say, for, for example, that you work at a company and you are a controller. Or maybe you are the accounts payable, accounts receivable manager. You've got some experience doing accounting work. Um, this is a chance for you to maybe build some more skills and become a bookkeeper. And then start a bookkeeping business out of your house. Build those skills so that you know when this economy goes sideways, when this economy becomes uncertain – You've got to have skills in in your toolbox that you can bring to market, that you can bring forward to make you more valuable. So this is a time, I think, um, to really put, you know, to, to pursue a side hustle, even if it's as simple as being an Uber driver. 
And then just listening to podcasts like the John Riley Project or listening to other people that are teaching, that are instructing. And what a great thing to listen to when you're driving around as an Uber driver. I know that's a simple example, but these are things that we can do to start a business. Start up an e-commerce business. Um, Take your skills and whatever trade that you have, and rather than working for the man, set up your own shop. You know, if... If you have a skill, and I'm going to pick another example, let's say you're a plumber and you are working for a plumbing company in the, in the area, well, why not start up your own plumbing business and be able to do a little side hustle on nights and weekends and supplement your business, and suddenly you've got a new revenue stream, new opportunity coming your way. Uh, maybe you're a, a, a coder, a developer. You can put together a business where you might create your own product. You might be able to create your own software as a service online. You may be able to offer consulting work to provide coding and other kinds of software engineering to some of your clients. So this is the time to invest in yourself, to build skills, to start your own business, and to really not be dependent on what's happening in the world around you. Don't be the next victim of a corporate layoff. Take control of your career. Take control of of your life and go into business for yourself. Even if it is just a side hustle, that's something that can grow. That's what I did. I I started my own side hustle. I think it was in, well, in the late 90s, I started. Um, And then in 01, I took a big step forward on my side business. And then by 2003, I went into business for myself. So uh, yeah, there's, there's tremendous opportunity out there if you're willing to pursue it. Um, you know, there's a great quote from Thomas Edison. I think it's a good one. He said, everything comes to him who hustles while he waits. And we hear that a lot, you know, hustle while you wait. If you're in this condition where the economy is slowing down, where you're being sent home, where you're self-quarantining while you're waiting, don't just be idle. Keep investing in yourself. Keep hustling on your own to pursue and create new opportunities for yourself. Um, Yeah, because if things go sideways, man, and we've already talked about all this economic disruption that's already happened. People say this coronavirus situation is going to get worse before it gets better. If the economy continues to shift, continues to slide, if we do go into a recession, be prepared. This is why it's so important to invest in yourself. And then the other thing to be doing, and this is another way to invest in yourself, is invest in your family. Spend quality time with your family. And we talked about some families now going on hikes. Great thing to do. Uh, But if there's more downtime, more people at home, spend that quality time with your family. I mean, remember that blackout like eight years ago that we had here in San Diego and Mike Ryan was here on the podcast on Wednesday. He talked about it. And we lost power for about a day or two. And suddenly now families got together. Families were playing board games under candlelight. And it was like the whole world slowed down. And it was in some ways kind of beautiful. It was some ways it was like hitting the pause button on life. But it was a great chance to reconnect with family. Um, When the rat race slows down as the economy slows down, um, it's a great time to reconnect with the people that are most important to you. So that's a big thing that I think we should be doing as well. Now, I want to tell you about one project that I just took on, and um, I talked a little bit about it on Wednesday with Mike Ryan, and um, I'm, I'm building my own emergency kit. And this was something that I thought about, especially after 2003 when we had the fires, and we 
our family wasn't really prepared for that. And we were scrambling and what a crazy story. I was out of town at my 25th, eighth grade reunion, which was a, by the way, an awesome event, but it was up in the Bay Area. And I was up in the Bay Area. My wife was here with our children in 2003, and our children were, gosh, six and three at the time, I think. And and she had to evacuate the kids, and it was just chaos. And at the time, we were living way on the end of Garden Road in Poway. The, the house directly across the street from us burned down, and we lost numerous homes in our immediate neighborhood. I mean, that was a crazy time. Um but since then, we got more organized and we, you know, we have a, now a, a fireproof safe that we keep our, our important family documents in there. Um, and we kind of had a, a bit of an a, a evacuation plan. And so when the fires hit in 07, we were a lot more organized in how we left the house, how we loaded the car. And, you know, we were paying attention to those fire reports and we knew the fire was coming west from, you know, Julian and Ramona heading towards Poway. And we were preparing every minute of every hour and until it became time we had to leave and we were ready. Um, But even then, I just knew that we in in a case like this, if if, you know, when you see this, this hysteria, this run on toilet paper, people can't get toilet paper. You know, you think about some ways, you know, those doomsday preppers. You know, it's easy to dismiss some of them as crazy people that they're they think they're going to be living in a Mad Max universe, you know, where it's going to be dog eat dog. And these guys are stocking up on ammo and they're stocking up on canned goods and they've got a bunker in the basement that are underneath um, the house. And, and but when suddenly we go through this thing with the coronavirus, when we go through uh, witnessing what's happening with this run on toilet paper, you think, man, these doomsday prepper guys you know, maybe we've been discrediting them. Maybe they are really the smart ones. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to build something here. And I, and I got started on this, you know, shortly after the 07 fires, but I just never really finished it. And so on Wednesday, um, when things started to get crazy and I talked a bit about it with Mike, um, I started this process on Thursday. I said, you know, I'm going to make a list. And I said, you know, the beautiful thing is, is that if I'm going to stock up on things. Now, granted, I'm not going to stock up for like three months. I'm not going to hoard 17,000 sanitizer bottles or even, you know, a year's worth of toilet paper. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying we need to be prepared. We need to have like, you know, maybe a week's worth of goods that are not in our regular pantry in our kitchen, but are just something set aside and not just food, but a lot of emergency items and and uh, a number of things. And I'm going to share with you the list that I'm building. But now it's easier than ever to do this. I mean, you see the the craziness of people going to Costco or Trader Joe's or the grocery store and giant lines and hours to get in. And well, we can just order on Amazon. And granted, not everything is available on Amazon, but a lot of it is. And I'm just now, I built a list and I ordered, and, and some of it arrived this morning, and I cleared. I have these cabinets in my garage, and I cleared one section, um, and I, I'm starting to stock that up. And then I got another delivery later this evening. Um, it was kind of crazy. I was waiting on that delivery, and I was in my office 
with the door closed. They didn't ring the doorbell. They just dropped it on the front doorstep. And I found out about it by looking at my phone and I saw that they had delivered it and I saw a photo of the goods on my front doorstep. And I went, oh, they've already arrived. And sure enough, I walked out of my office and boom, there it is. It was on our front doorstep. So we had a second delivery today. Um, And I'm going to be getting some more deliveries over the next week or two because some of these things are you know, out of stock. But I figure I don't have urgency to build this emergency kit. So I'm going to build it over time. I've got a list and I'm going to be checking things off. And then I've got it there and it just gives me peace of mind. So, you know, one of the things that I'm doing is I'm I'm getting all kinds of canned goods. So canned um, vegetables, um, canned um, uh, tuna and turkey and chicken breast. I've got all kinds of different canned goods. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm building a stock of things like nuts and jerky and protein bars, water. Got to have a can opener, a manual can opener as well. So I'm making sure I've got that. I got a 40-pound bag of uh, pet food that I've got in that, in that, um, uh, in that emergency kit. Um, I'm getting all of my safety items organized. So, you know, I have flashlights around the house, but I went ahead and just bought a lantern, like a battery-powered lantern. Um, and so – um, I bought that and I've got some batteries for that. I got an additional first aid kit um, and I'm, you know, ordering a radio. Um, the I looked at one of these lists. They say you should have a whistle as a safety item. Well, I have a whistle, so I'm putting that in there. So some of these things are in case, I mean, granted, some of this is Mad Max. Some of this is Doomsday Prepper. But for the most part, I think it's just me being responsible for me and my family. So if it's we're in a case where there's like a run on toilet paper, well, then I'll have a stock of toilet paper. But more importantly, you know, if, if things got a little crazier, like when we had the fires or if there was an earthquake or if there was a blackout, um, you know, or if we were going through, remember the, the 9-11 time frame, when there was just a lot of uncertainty, the, having the peace of mind that you've got like a week's worth of stuff that's accessible, I think is smart. And so I'm now just building it out. So um, health items, um, bathroom supplies. Um, so, um, you know, I ordered, you know, the, the soap, you know, the pump, uh, the hand pump of soap, which by the way, is a lot better. If you're washing your hands with soap is far more effective than the hand sanitizer that the guy was, um, uh, that bought 17,000 of them. But so I ordered some, some of those, um, you know, uh, containers of pump soap, um, toothbrushes, toothpaste, I, I ordered toilet paper. I couldn't get the toilet paper. They were all sold out, but I got, um, you know, 12 rolls of paper towels. Um, so, you know, Kleenex. I, I ordered like two little boxes of, of facial tissue. Um, I ordered, um, you know, some um, sunscreen. I ordered, you know, three bottles of 100 pills of ibuprofen. So just little things like that that I think can carry us through. So um, I – Got some utility items, so um, a multi-purpose tool, you know, which has scissors and can openers and all kinds of things on that. Just a simple thing like that: duct tape, candles, lighters, some work gloves, some plastic sheathing in case I have to do something crazy to build a shelter. Um, and then, you know, books, games, activities, um, you know. And then I'm organizing my uh, sleeping bags and extra clothing and blankets. And I so I'm building this this sort of a small kit that if something really crazy happened, I would be somewhat prepared. You know, I'm not going to have 
a, a year's worth of supplies. I'm going to have like a week, maybe a little longer than a week in some cases, depending on the the things I'm buying, maybe three weeks worth of stuff. But when if if things go crazy and it's hard to get access to certain items, I know that I've got my own little storage. And um, and then, yeah, then if, if we have another blackout, another um, fire or earthquake. So I'm putting all these things into these large plastic bins and the sealing them so that um, when we have to, if we have another fire, um, I can go and grab our fire safe with our important family documents. And then I can take our photo albums and our you know family photos that are on the walls and I can go and grab this bin of stuff right out of the garage and boom, boom, out the door. It can be that fast. Um, because if you remember the fires in 03 and 07, it was pretty crazy when we were going through that evacuation. Um, this is real. Um, we When we were evacuated, and Grant, I told you, I wasn't there in 03. My wife and my um, my children, you know, my wife had to evacuate everyone. Thankfully, my parents were nearby. They helped too. Um, but uh, it's it's crazy um, when you go through that and you don't want to be unprepared. So like I say, I'm not saying, you know, I'm preparing like a doomsday prepper thinking we're going to have the walking dead or something. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like for a couple of weeks, if something crazy happened, it'd be good to be prepared. Um, so this is a good time for it. And the beautiful thing is, is that as I'm stocking my shelf in my garage, I mean, I just started to feel very calm. It was like a peace of mind thing. And even if that is the only benefit I ever get from this is peace of mind, I'm very pleased with it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I'm expecting more deliveries and then I'm checking off my list. And then some of these products I figure in the next week or two, the marketplace is going to calm down and I'll be able to order more things. Eventually I'll get some toilet paper. I'm not going to buy, you know, a, a giant cases and cases of it, but I'll just get enough to get me through a few weeks and I think it'll be fine. So that's the thing I'm working on. So um, what should we do these next few months? Now, granted, I said it's going to get worse before it gets better. So um, we're just at the beginning of this. So we need to be aware. So pay attention to the news. Get facts from reputable sources. You know, try to separate the facts from the hysteria. Um, and there's a lot of false information that's floating around out there. So just be diligent. Listen well. Pay attention. Be aware. Make good choices. You know, wash your hands. I've always been a good hand washer, but lately I'm an extra good hand washer. Um, and I'm singing happy birthday every time I wash my hands. So wash your hands with hot water. Try not to touch your face. And I I notice I, I'm about to do it right now. I'm touching my glasses. But I sometimes I'll go back and watch the these um, YouTube videos that I do. And I was amazed at how many times I touch my face when I was watching the video. In fact, I'll bet while you're watching this video, I've probably touched my face multiple times. I'm trying to get myself out of that habit and it's hard because I'm always got a scratch or I need to rub my eye or something stupid. Um, but yeah, try not to touch your face. Try to avoid large events. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And um, work from home if possible. You know, be a student from home if possible. That's a great thing to do. Um, it's easy to get caught up in the hysteria. Uh, I was watching uh, today. I was working on you know some of my projects, and I have the TV on in the background. Normally on a Saturday, I'd have some game on, a basketball or even the goofy XFL. I'd have that on the background. You know, soon the Padres are going to be on, or they are supposed to be on. I'd always have a Padre game on if they if they were playing. 
but um, there was nothing going on. So I had like cable news and I was just the hysteria. It just drives you crazy. After a while, you have to turn it off. Otherwise, it brainwashes you and you think the whole world is coming to an end. Um, So um, it's easy to get sucked into that. So you need a little bit of it. You got to get your news, um, but don't just get you know the, the the cable news networks they they're all about building the hype building the hysteria getting people worked up into a frenzy so more people are glued to their station in panic and and that but the more eyeballs it turns into more advertising revenue from them so always keep that in mind um get your information from other sources if you can trusted sources um but more importantly take action don't be passive don't wait um don't um you know hide from reality. I mean, if you want to get away and and binge watch a little bit, that's okay. But don't go deep into that rabbit hole. Invest in yourself. Take action. Um, You know, this is a great time to build your skills. This is a great time to start a small business. This is a great time to read and learn and grow. Um, This is a great time to have a side hustle. Um, this is a great time to to spend quality time with your family. This is a great time to build an emergency kit. Um, so take action, invest in yourself, be prepared. Um, economic and social uncertainty is here now, um, and it's only going to increase. I mean, it's going to get worse before it gets better. So um, being prepared, um, investing in yourself gives you great peace of mind, and it keeps you focused on doing work, you know, and, and rather than allowing your mind to drift and, and allowing the narrative of cable news to completely occupy your mind. You don't want to get caught in that trap. Take on these projects, stay focused, let that occupy your mind. And then a lot of the worries and hysteria will melt away. Um, so I invite you to continue this conversation with me. Reach out on Facebook to the John Riley Project um, or join us in the Insiders Group, John Riley Project Insiders Group. That's our closed group. Everyone's available uh, you know, to join us. I invite everyone there. I accept all, in, all requests. You got to answer a few questions to get in. We've got like 40 people there. We love having conversations um, in that group after these podcast episodes. But I also have my regular John Riley Project Facebook page um, where I post all the episodes. So join us there. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you know, you can respond there in the comments. Please subscribe um, and subscribe to our, um, our our audio only podcast. That would be really great. And you can, you know, again, I, I, I love using social media as a way to connect with people. I'm really active on Twitter, too. So you can seek me out there. And then please subscribe to our mailing list. You can go to johnreillyproject.com slash subscribe. You can also go to johnreilly.com slash connect and see all the different social media platforms where we're active and click there and and join us, follow us, like us and connect there. So the conversation, let's continue it on social media. And here's a, a quote that I want to leave with you, a closing quote. And this is from Bobby Eckhart, um, who is a survival, thr- survival thriller author. Now he writes a lot of, I mean, he's more like the doomsday prepper kind of author, you know, a lot of dystopian things. But this is a great quote, and I think it it is appropriate in this coronavirus situation. And he says, because you never know when the day before is the day before, prepare for tomorrow. And that's very right. That's, that's, That's very accurate. Prepare for tomorrow. Invest in yourself. 
be prepared as this situation unfolds. So thanks for joining me. This is uh, the John Riley Project. This is episode number 120. It is National Pie Day. It's 314. It's March 14th. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you around later, folks. Bye-bye.